the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Thank you for tuning in on Periscope. So many folks there and passing on to other people. And, of course, our loyal listeners on The Answer San Diego and across the country that tune in because the Salem Salem Radio Network is so valuable. But, yeah, let me tell you, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, could have been two days ago, Kevin McCarthy, one of the leaders in the Congress, jumped on a call. Much of the call was off the record, but with the Salem Radio Network host, so it was great to talk to him. That's the power of Salem. Make sure to go to our sister site townhall.com and get things there all right today uh, we've got you know what you need to know it's all about mrs america and what they're doing to our uh, my old boss phyllis schlafly trying to rewrite history we'll talk about that in a moment later on in the show john schlafly will be on we could hear hear that interview which we'll also post up online but we'll also do an update on what's happening with the world health organization we'll talk about that in a minute as well as um some details on where we're headed with our states on this coronavirus fight and a lot happening. Uh, uh, one detail I mentioned, I got a text from one of our listeners. You can always text me directly at 314-256-1776, 314-256-1776. goes right to my phone. I got a text earlier today, an article about uh, California Governor Newsom, who is already talking about his ideas for getting back to school in September. It won't surprise you. I'm not sure he knows what he's doing, but he wants to spend a lot of money. He's already talking about a lot of money being spent on that. So we'll see what happens with Gavin Newsom in California. But, you know, I, I did. I, was, I texted back to our listener. And one thing about it is when California makes that kind of decision, it will influence the uh, other folks that are paying attention, other states and all, because the power of that uh, of that uh, size and scope of California in terms of the number of people and the and the money spent and all. So it's going to have an influence. And that's what I know Gavin Newsom knows. So uh, we'll talk more about that. All right. Let's get to what you need to know today. All right. What you need to know today is very important day for many of us that admire Phyllis Schlafly. We've been waiting for a long time. And so let me give you the history on, on what's happening earlier today. They launched a $50 million production called Mrs. America. It stars Kate Blanchett and a series of actors. It's written by big-time Hollywood writers and all this kind of stuff. It's a big deal. It's a big league effort. It's been in the pipeline for a couple of years. It really is almost probably three years. And I think it was really designed to be something that came out about a year ago, supposed to come out a year ago, at the height of sort of Hillary Clinton's presidency. Because the idea was to celebrate ERA and this great uh, movement of feminism that would have been what Hillary Clinton was supposed to lead. Of course, that all got stalled and stopped. So here we are, $50 million later, a nine-hour production. Kate Blanchett is appearing all over. She's won two Academy Awards. She's appearing all over the place of talking about Phyllis Schlafly. Here's the good news. It's pretty clear that Kate Blanchett admires Phyllis Schlafly. I think she disagrees with her in every way on policy, but she clearly admires her and talks pretty openly about uh, her admiration for her. On Good Morning America yesterday morning, the, uh, uh, Kate Blanchett said, this morning it aired, Kate Blanchett said, 
Her kids are all home from school. She's got three or four kids, and she's trying to teach them everything. And she said, I now know that Phyllis Schlafly, who taught her kids to read and homeschooled until the second grade, and I think that's a little off, by the way, but she said Phyllis taught them to read using phonics. And she said, I'm trying to do that. Well, that's a breakthrough right there because the progressives wanted to use sight reading and all these kind of crazy things that John Dewey developed and was destroying the country. So good for you, Kate Blanchett, that you're letting your kids get educated like Phyllis Schlafly taught with phonics. Reading is fundamental. And so that was great. So Kate Blanchett also made some comment about how she couldn't believe that Phyllis Schlafly endorsed Donald Trump. And she said Donald Trump needed Phyllis Schlafly. Well, that's pretty insightful. I mean, in terms of conservatism, you know, Donald Trump was buoyed by Phyllis Schlafly. So that's all true. Now, let's get down to this um, thing and what you need to know now. I watched the first three episodes now. I've seen actually I'm about 20 minutes left in the third hour or third episode. So there's a, three episodes launched today, earlier today. And what they've done in this is not a history, of course. It's got lots of fiction. It's making Phyllis to to seem not who she is and all. But it's very slick. It's very well done. It's very, very impressive, actually. But here's what you need to know. Mrs. America is a $50 million effort to persuade people how great abortion is and how important abortion is for women. So here's what's going on. $50 million Kate Blanchett and Hollywood is spending in the first three episodes, about three hours total. They're talking about how women's rights, women's empowerment means that they should be able to have abortion and abortion should be included in their protection, all this kind of stuff. Now, why are they doing that now? Well, first couple things. ERA fight in the 70s was not really about abortion. There was some fight about abortion. It's true. There was some discussion. But the bigger reasons that people like Phyllis was able to oppose it and build an army was they understood suddenly after all the establishment Republicans, all the establishment Democrats, all the media, everybody was for it. And Phyllis and a band of conservative, mostly women, opposed it because Phyllis said... It'll draft our women. It'll make me women in combat. Women will lose the Social Security benefits from their husbands. They'll change all the laws. Section 2 of the ERA would give all of Congress, give Congress the power to regulate all of this, which means we'd have Congress in charge of our Boy Scouts, Congress in charge of our Boys and Girls Schools. All this stuff would be regulated by Congress. It was a huge power grab. That's what beat it back then. People didn't want the feminist. Oh, back then there was a conversation about gay marriage could come from this. They said, oh, no, that'll never happen. Well, we know all the way to today, the courts have done that to us uh, through the Supreme Court. So all these things that the liberals were going to do through ERA would have created power in the courts to implement. It would have put power in Congress to implement. It would have changed the balance of power in America. Abortion was one piece of the argument, but not a huge one. Today, the ERA is pushed in Washington, D.C. It's dead now. Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg said it's dead. But it's pushed in Washington, D.C. in every state capital. And now it's pushed by the pro-aborts. Because now they see what they didn't say before. I think they knew it. Was that abortion, the ERA will create abortion on demand as a right and taxpayer funding as a right. Because you won't be able to discriminate against women and their medical procedure of abortion just because they're women. You can't ban that. They would say, no, 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 you can't do that. And so, and they admit that. The pro-abortion groups admit that's what would happen and that's why they're pushing it. Here's what you need to know. The Mrs. America program and these hours and hours, you know, nine hours of program, $50 million, all the reviews in all these different places that are coming out, it's incredible. It's all aimed at normalizing for young people and fighting, especially for young people, to make abortion something that they want and expect. 
Now, why do I say that? Well, the series was produced by FX, $50 million, but it's streamed on Hulu. Average age of a subscriber on Hulu, 32. So it's average, right? So there's a lot younger and some older. And, and they skewed, uh, the demographic is skewing towards women. So $50 million trying to communicate to women, younger women and younger people about abortion. And uh, abortion is normalized. It's good. It's a right. It's what we need. Here's the truth and what you need to know. More and more young people reject abortion. They don't think it's a right. They don't think it's a good idea. And they certainly don't want taxpayer dollars going to it. That's happening every year almost because young people see the science. They see things. They say, I don't want that. It's a terrible idea. Here's what you need to know and what's going to happen going forward. What's going to happen going forward in these next six weeks is more of this indoctrination, more of this effort to persuade people that abortion is great, that abortion is normalized, and that we should all be for it. This, Mrs. America, it looks like they've decided it's going to be an effort to promote abortion. One more detail. The biggest reason why they need this now is because they know that America's finally on the cusp of getting judges on our Supreme Court, judges in our lower courts that are going to not create law out of a living document, but just uh, apply the law. That there's not going to be that they'll reverse Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton and they'll take back, take out of the Constitution this fictitious idea of a privacy right that allows a protected right for abortion. That's going away because of the direction of the country and the liberals, the feminists, the feminazis, as as, uh, Rush called them, are desperate to stop that trend. And so this is a 50 million dollar promotion campaign. So I have to say it was really interesting to watch. What I'm really excited about, though, too, is that some of the folks who know Phyllis are rising up to communicate about her. Michelle Malkin had a piece today in which she described how she knew Phyllis. Ann Coulter was interviewed for a a podcast that's coming out to to Red Pilled America uh, is doing a podcast, two parts. And one is out today on Phyllis's life. They've interviewed John Schlafly and others. And so people are rising up to communicate. One last thing you need to know. They especially hate the fact that Phyllis Schlafly in the last year, month of months of her life, the last year of her life, picked Donald Trump to be the candidate for president. And she was right. Not only was she right that he could win, she was right that he would be good in office. She did that. They hate that. That's what you need to know. All right. Look out for that. We'll take a quick break on the radio show. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And our, our next guest is a gentleman who I was very pleased to get him uh, on the air to talk to me. He is the president of the Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund. Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund. And, sir, uh, first of all, and his name is Jason Johnson. Sir, welcome to the program. How are you? Thanks for having me, Ed. So let me ask you, first of all, in these times with so much happening, um, well, I don't know, give me a kind of thumbnail. I mean, how, how are you feeling? How are your members, folks that are uh, impacted by everything? How's everything going? Well, you know, uh, law enforcement officers are in the, uh, in the unenviable position of being um, absolutely essential personnel. So they, uh, they go to work each day and leave behind, in most cases, uh, family. Uh, and go out and serve the community and come into contact with all sorts of folks, uh, some of whom inevitably are going to be carrying the virus or be symptomatic from the virus. And um, that adds an additional stressor on top of the ordinary stresses of, of law enforcement and being in the first responder business 
Um, on top of that, they have the concerns over um, not so much for themselves of, of getting sick, uh, although that is a concern. But, uh, of course, the biggest concern is, is, is acquiring the virus and bringing it uh, home to their family. So it's a, it's a considerable stress. And, and for, for, um, for law enforcement officers, they um, feel very comfortable dealing with the dangers and stresses of their job that they're trained to deal with and they're properly equipped for. Uh, but this is something completely different. It's uh, not something that, that, that most law enforcement officers have really been trained to deal with. I mean, of course, we know that uh, law enforcement agencies really, uh, along with uh, you know, some healthcare facilities and other first responder organizations, weren't entirely um, fully equipped with N95 masks and hand sanitizer and other things that, that are um, you know, there to help keep them safe. So it's a, it is a, it's a very difficult time. Of course, many law enforcement officers have come down with the coronavirus and uh, we're on a pace to uh, far exceed deaths among law enforcement officers than than has happened from any singular event, including 9-11 in recent memory. So it's a tough time. Yeah, we're talking with Jason C. Johnson. He's the president of Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund, and it's policedefense.org is uh, where you can go, policedefense.org, to find out more about this work. Our our mutual friend, I know he's a great supporter of yours, uh, uh, Jim Gagliano, who is is still over on CNN. I I did a stint there myself. I did time at CNN for a while, and a great guy, and he promotes your stuff. So I was pleased that he put that up there. All right, what about the situation where where your folks are in a position where they're told by like say the governor of a state hey this is how we're going to enforce these rules these laws and a lot of times by the way let me be clear they're not laws sometimes they're executive orders you know we are in a time it's a little hard for people to sometimes realize we're in a time where we in in, in time in history where some of the actions are necessary because we're in an actual you know kind of war it's not a conventional war but then then executive action is necessary so you get in a position where as a law enforcement officer you're you have a chain of command you know what you're supposed to do and 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 you're in this tension in between sort of we the people who are sometimes agitated and uh, and a governor who's ruling. I mean, how are you guys handling that, Jason? How do you navigate that tough spot? Yeah, it, it's a very difficult situation, and I'm glad you brought it up um, because it is a tough spot. When law enforcement officers, of course, as you pointed out, they're they're in, in paramilitary structure, and they are you know by nature they're law and order people. They want to enforce what they've been told to enforce, what they understand to be the law, um, and, and executive orders certainly are, are part of the law. Uh, but it really puts them in a tough situation because, you know, as, as, you, as you probably know, and I think as you kind of hinted, you know, some of these orders that are being put into place, both by governors and, and mayors and um, other local governments, they're, they're really, um, in some cases, they're not really enforceable, and in some cases, they're only somewhat enforceable and part of the order is enforceable. But when you're a law enforcement officer, you're you're directed to enforce the law and it it can put cops in a really tough position. One example would be on a Philadelphia, I can't remember now if it was a bus or a train, but it was was in the city of Philadelphia on a, uh, on a public transportation. There was a, um, the guy on the bus or the train that wasn't wearing a mask and was required Mm -hmm. to under this executive order. And the police went to enforce it and the guy wouldn't put the mask on. So they wound up, you know, basically dragging him off of this bus, and it, of course it looks bad. And everyone, right. all of a sudden, you know, ten minutes ago, everyone thought it was um, an absolute emergency that everyone wear a mask. 
But once they see the cops actually enforce it, now they're not so sure. You know, so it really right. puts the cops in a damned if you do, damned if you don't type position, which, of course, you hate to see. And it's, it's a matter of time before you see, and I don't know if it'll come from that situation or not, but you could see police officers at themselves being prosecuted for using force to enforce some of these um, some of these executive orders. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, and that's right. I, I, yeah, yeah, and we're and again we're talking with uh, Jason Johnson. He's the uh, he's the president of the uh, of the, let me get it right because the Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund. It's easier to me policedefense dot org. Um, and and but um, that's right. I mean, the question is, you know, uh, the vigilance that that the citizens have is to hey say hey where's the limits? And you know, down in Michigan today, they a lot of uh, folks went to into Michigan went down to the Capitol and said hey we want the governor to be, modify behavior and all. And, and but the but the hard part, as you point out, is we ask our frontline folks. In this case, it's the nurses and doctors and healthcare professionals, and then all our cops and law enforcement. We ask them to go to the front lines, and then we're the ones pushing and pulling. I mean, it really is a challenge because, and it's going to get a little tougher, by the way, because we're. I suspect the phased return of our economy will include, hey, in this place, do less. And when we, you know, so let's say this county that's got a lot of problems, we're not going to have everybody go back to work. Well, who's going to have to enforce that is our law enforcement, and I guess. Here's a question for you again, Jason Johnson at L E L D F underscore president on Twitter. Who who is your voice? Maybe it's you, but who who are voices in the in this debate that are helping articulate that? I've been calling for our folks to say, hey, we want to go back to work, we want to move our economy back, but I've said our obligation is to make our voices heard so people can navigate this, so the leaders can navigate and do well. Who's your best voices right now that can give you guys give you a sense that they're looking out for the the problems and the issues that you'd have? Well, we've been vocal. Um, you know, we kind of our organization really existed, um, you know, before and still does before COVID to advocate for law enforcement as a profession, but really even more specifically to support police officers who have been wrongfully charged criminally or being prosecuted for taking action that they're actually required to do, had a duty to do, using force to make an arrest, for example. Sometimes it's using deadly force. Um, and, and in situations where you have activist prosecutors that want to charge those police officers, that's the, that's the real reason our organization existed. But since, um, you know, for the last two months or so, a month and a half, uh, we've been really vocal about how COVID impacts law enforcement officers. And I talked about some of that, about uh, adequate uh, personal protective equipment and health screening and how do you protect, keep cops from taking um, the virus home with them. But also we're, we're very vocal, you know, on social media and in op-eds around the country about things like that. You're talking about some of those nuanced issues about you're asking um, police officers to enforce the law. But it, it's it's such a difficult thing. It's it just fraught with uh, sort of a push pull. I think is the word you use, which is accurate. Where on the one hand, you know, society is demanding um, that these local governments take action to prevent people from spreading the virus. They want to go into wear a mask and stay out of certain things and close certain businesses. But the cops are the ones on the front line that actually have to enforce it. And when you put them in that position where they're enforcing what amount to you know public health regulations. Uh, it really is a yeah. tough situation. So we will continue to be as vocal as we can about just trying to protect the cops. We, cops, of course, we want to protect public health and we're you know, sensitive to the need to control the virus and we don't want it to spread and we don't want people to be sick or die. But we also don't want our, our police officers or other first responders or healthcare providers to be put in these no win situations um, as a result. 
Hey, uh, Jason, I just got about a minute left. Where can people go to find out more and support the cops? I mean, there's a lot of, lot of, uh, lot of people that are saying, hey, what can I do? I got more time. I'm at home or I'm working from home. Tell us where they can go. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so our website, as you, as you said, it's policedefense.org. Uh, we've been around. We're part of the 1C39 profit. been around for 25 years. We have a great board of directors, which now includes your friend uh, Jim Gagliano from CNN. is now on our board of directors, which we're, uh, we're honored to have him. Um, we also can you can follow me uh, on Twitter at uh, LELDF underscore president um, and all of our organizations on Twitter at, at LELDF. Great. All right, Jason, thanks very much for your time, and we'll make sure to put up on social media. Keep us in the loop as things happen. If there's ways we can help get the word out, we have such a great tradition uh, uh, of our law enforcement, and even in these challenging times, they're stepping up to it. So we appreciate it very much, and uh, we'll have you back on again. We'll take a quick break, though, and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a minute. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is our weekly guest, uh, John Schlafly, who is one half of the Schlafly Report. Uh, started out as a weekly column by Phyllis Schlafly for decades, and now John and his brother Andy continued. It's posted almost every Tuesday night late at uh, townhall.com late in the evening and then available as an archive on the archive at phyllisschlafly.com. This week's column is, co- is entitled Leftist Tyrants Exploit Shutdowns. Uh, welcome, John Schlafly. First of all, how are you? I'm good, Ed. How are you today? Well, I'm fine. Let me ask you, are there any Republican tyrants that are using it? Uh, the, I know the examples you give in here, you know, California, Kentucky, uh, Michigan. But are the are the uh, are is it only Democrats or the leftists that are exploiting this or is it happening on the right, too? Well, I would say the governor of Ohio, uh, DeWine, was one of the first to have a statewide shutdown, I think. And uh uh, Governor Abbott of Texas has also, I think, uh, done more than is really necessary. But uh, but it has been, I think, and uh, and then you know Mississippi is very troubling too. Actually, before they um, took aggressive action against a church service, a church there. You know the thing about where they not even allowing cars to gather in a parking lot. Uh, the parking lot of a church in order to have a safe uh, degree of uh, uh, community on Easter Sunday. That's what happened in uh, Kentucky. That was really shocking. And a a federal judge uh, ruled properly against that. But there's other things like that going on. Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly. Uh, John, is your um, when you when I look at this column, and I'll, I'll send people a look at it though. Are are people making these decisions? Like uh, Gavin Newsom, I had an email from a listener, and they were complaining that Gavin Newsom shut things down early, and that he's using it as an excuse uh, on education. He's done. T- he's he's d- taking more control of the schools, and he's d- directing things. Are, are they? Are they? Is it a? Is it the old Rahm Emanuel thing? Don't let a crisis go to waste. Are they just uh, misled and scared? What What's your sense of why this is happening? Well, in, in California, from what I understand, the public schools receive most of their funding from the state. That's a little different from most other states. So uh, he's Gavin Newsom has some leverage there, but uh, um, uh, but I do think that uh, you're right to be to be watchful of this, and that's certainly true in the Congress for Nancy Pelosi. Uh, 
and the Democrats are using their leverage to, as control of the House of Representatives in order to hold back on reopening the country until they get things like uh, nationwide changes in our election laws. And we've got to keep a sharp eye on that. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, up in uh, up in uh, Michigan, I haven't heard the reports. I, I, I've, heard, I've heard about it generally, about how effective it was. They started to have what looked almost like a mini tea party uh, up there. I mean, it, it, what is your what is, you know, late Phyllis Schlafly, your mother uh, made a lot of uh, made a lot of friends and enemies when she would describe the problem and then tell what to do about it. What do we do about it? Uh, you know, in these in, ca- in these cases, is, is a public uh, protestation? Is it uh, push your congressman? What do you what are you what are you telling people to do? Well, uh, as you know, at one of the most important constitutional rights is the right to assemble peaceably to petition the government for redress of grievances. So, okay, uh, we concede that we cannot gather in a crowded, sweaty room right now due to the virus. But there's no reason why people in their separate cars cannot drive on the public street and circle the Capitol building, honk their horns, and uh, mm-hmm. show their, express their views. And that's what's going on in Michigan right now, because uh, the Michigan governor, who everyone thinks is auditioning for a role as, vice, as Joe Biden's vice presidential nominee, has made gone much further than is really necessary or appropriate in this crisis. For example, she said that uh, stores that are open to sell food have to cordon off the areas that sell non-food items and construction supplies, building supplies and paint and housewares and clothes and things like that cannot be sold even if people are going to Walmart or Myers, which is a major chain of big box stores in Michigan. They can only buy food and they cannot buy other things, and it was interesting to see pictures, a picture is taken. One of the things which is behind yellow tape and you cannot buy is American flags during this crisis. Yeah, I did, I did see that. I thought that, yeah, that was... And then uh, that the other was, thing the Michigan was, governor did, many people in Michigan yep. have summer homes, cabins, and cottages. And the Michigan governor said, you cannot visit your summer home, cabin, or cottage. You have to stay in your regular home. Now, what sense does that make? It's ridiculous. And, and Michiganders, as they call themselves, are up in arms about that, as they should be. Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly. John, again, what's the recourse? I, I, is the it, We are in a time of crisis, right? So when the president of the United States says, I'll be the one that says when we go back, I took it to mean, hey, I, I got enough uh, influence that I'm going to be the leader of this gang. But it, whatever, he got everybody to argue about it. But how do you balance it, right? How do you Who's to stop them from doing this? How do you do that? That's what I'm asking. Uh, well, uh you know how to get, how to mobilize the public is the question and when when but i do think that the what's happening today at the michigan state capitol is a good straw in the winds and then we have a few members of congress like senator josh hawley who has a plan uh an interesting plan to restart small business uh to a degree that's greater than has been done and you know we've got to start with ideas and start right now with things and see how they work and then build from there. It's going to be a rolling uh, 
opening, as the president understands. There's no doubt the president wants to reopen the country. He says that every day in his daily briefing. And it's, it's funny, it's, it really is funny to see the reaction of President Trump trolling. You know, I've now learned <laughs> what this word trolling means when he said that he's, that the president is the, is, it's the one who yeah. makes the final decision. You know, all he was doing was trolling. And we've got every exactly. libertarian and uh, coming out of the woodwork and saying, no, the Constitution, no, the president has, doesn't have the authority. Well, you know, don't they realize the president was just trolling them? He wanted to get that exactly. kind of reaction, which he, which he got. And, <laughs> and, and it's really funny to watch. And, I mean, you realize it, what it, Trump it, is doing. Uh, yeah, uh, you would think you would think they would learn. You would think they would learn after all this time, as I said yeah, in the, earlier in the program. They would they, have they, learned he, by now. He, he was able to get the whole country to argue for states' rights, a yeah. position that most conservatives have been trying to do forever. And the whole country said, "We're for states' rights now." And he just smiled and stood back and said, "Okay, I'll, I'm for it too." I mean, I mean, and the, the long, la- the, the long-standing benefit of this, we won't even know because it's just so great to have on record in ten years to be able to say, "Remember when we said that you know you're not going to have the uh, the federal government do all this?" All right, John, I would be remiss. I know the answer to this question in general, but the the Mrs. America miniseries launched early today i covered a lot of it i've looked at most of it i know you haven't seen it yet it's in the middle of the you know you got a lot of work to do and things but will you watch it are you how do you feel about it that that they're spending million 50 million dollars to to probably misrepresent your mother and talk about the history you know are you are you nervous are you annoyed what's your what's your feelings well i of course they have uh they've copied her hairstyle and uh the actress kate blanchett has uh, is like an impersonator. She's tried to impersonate her vocal style, but, you know, they don't have her personality, and there, there are many people still alive who knew Phyllis personally, and they'll realize that this is not the real Phyllis, but uh, then there's uh, most of our country do not know that, so Hollywood will have an influence on younger people. Yeah, I mean, I think my thing is, uh, my instinct after seeing part of it is um, you can't trust Hollywood to give you a fair shake. On the other hand, you know, uh, publicity is publicity, right? I'm, I'm not sure it's I'm not sure it's always true that I, all publicity is good publicity, but having people spend millions and millions of dollars, I, I mentioned earlier, I saw Kate Blanchett on Good Morning America saying that um, she's having to keep her kids aged 18 down to five at home, and she realized that what Phyllis Schlafly did by homeschooling and teaching her kids to read with phonics was so impressive, and she's trying to do the same thing. I don't know if we could have spent enough money, John, to get Kate Blanchett to say teaching your kids with phonics is a good thing so um, you know there's some upside too yes well i agree with that uh and 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 there's no doubt that to kate blanchett and uh, uh who was in charge of imp- impersonating phyllis slappy somebody she didn't agree with but like uh an actress she had to find a number of sympathetic things because uh that's that's part of acting and uh so she found that, and that was a very good thing. And it's good that she yeah. went on doing the promotional tour talking about it, because that's certainly true. Yeah. That, uh, it is indeed. Uh, it is indeed. All right, John, I got I got to run. I got to run. Unfortunately, we'll 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 follow up next week. By next week, you'll probably have seen the episodes that at least launched. We'll ask you again. Thank you, John Schlafly. The Schlafly Report is available over at uh, townhall.com, but also posted the archives at phyllisschlafly.com. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Be back in a minute. 
Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. What do the liberals really want in the 2020 elections? That's the fundamental question we have to ask if we're going to defeat them. They say they want dignity, equality, and fairness. But let's look beyond the platitudes to get to the truth. When it comes down to it, they just want power, plain and simple. I know that doesn't sound profound, especially when we're talking about politicians, but this motivation is the key to why they chose Joe Biden as the representative of the Democrat establishment. Biden is a weak leader with decaying mental faculties, and he can be controlled by others. With Joe Biden as their puppet, Democrats can have the power they crave. If you don't believe me, just think about what happened in the days leading up to Super Tuesday. Mayor Pete Buttigieg and Senator Amy Klobuchar decided at the exact same time to bow out of the race and throw their support to Biden. And at that same time, Beto O'Rourke crawled out from whatever rock he'd been hiding under since November to also endorse Biden. Don't tell me that all happened at the same time by pure coincidence. All of that came at the orders of the Democrat establishment. Even Mike Bloomberg, who was supposed to be this super independent candidate of independent means, was quick to bow out and pay deference to Joe. It takes more than just the riches of a billionaire to break free of the powers that be. President Trump can't be controlled by any of the establishment. You won't even find a liberal who disputes this. Sure, they may call him crazy, but nobody says he's being controlled by the Republican Party or the establishment. In fact, Trump's the one controlling them. That's why we got the most conservative Republican platform of all time in 2016. Trump only answers to we the people. He's bringing the Republican Party back to the voters. Liberals want the power of the presidency, not the opportunity to serve. They want to maintain business as usual so they can reap the tax dollars of hardworking Americans and use every crisis to fearmonger. Trump is different. He's a choice, not an echo. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. As President Trump fulfills his campaign promises, his accomplishments on trade, immigration, the economy, and protecting the unborn should be celebrated, not ignored or diminished. To track these victories, go to phyllisschlafly.com and find out what's next for the Trump presidency at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Uh, thank you for being with us tonight and um, listening. Uh, remember, all those uh, interviews, uh, that uh, gentleman who is the head of the PoliceDefense.org uh, organization. I looked at the board, by the way. The board is, his name's Jason Johnson. I looked at the board. He's got some big hitters on there. Gagliano, for sure, but Ken Blackwell and Ed Meese. Uh, a woman named Danielle Catrona. You might not know that name, but she was a very senior uh, aide to Jeff Sessions, both in the Senate and then also when he was Attorney General. So, good group. And then John Schlafly, of course, talking about uh, what the states can do to push back and control things in this time of crisis. So uh, good stuff. And uh, go to theanswersandiego.com. 
as always, or edmartinlive.com and clue in there. And I, I got a text uh, yesterday from one of the listeners. The website that we set up to put the uh, the sort of counter programming for Mrs. America, the FX uh, Hulu series, is called realmrsamerica.com, realmrsamerica.com. If you go there, you can check it all out. Um, we Let me see. Uh, oh, a World Health Organization. I, uh, I will be on a call uh, later in the, uh, in the morning tomorrow. And I will be on a call with a senior administration official, which usually means someone in the in the one of the departments. It usually means somebody pretty senior. I don't know who it'll be uh, giving us more details tomorrow morning. So I'll have them tomorrow night about the World Health Organization. What an impressive thing the president has done by cutting off the World Health Organization in smoking out. All these crazy left wingers and the media who are saying, no, 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 you can't do it. And actually, I'd say more than that, more than just that. I I would say all the globalists who have been sort of uh, rolled over by the Chinese influence are making all these noises that we have to support the World Health Organization. Uh, Let me stop and divide it into three categories. There are three categories of people who tell you you must fund the World Health Organization, because they do such good work. We give them millions of dollars, and they basically are a propaganda arm of China. But they people argue there's three categories. The one category is liberal do-gooders who either believe that they're do-gooders or they just use that as a, as a, as a front. But they sound like do-gooders. Oh, we should help the world. Don't we want to help the world? What's wrong with helping the world? That's one group of people. You can sort of just put them in a, in a pot and in a, in a bucket and move them over to the side. The second group, is the group that believes that what we need is more elites of high caliber intellect who are going to guide the world. You got the UN, you got the World Health Organization, Paris Climate Accord. The last thing you want is kind of, you know, um, rough and tumble, not so informed American uh, elected officials or bureaucrats doing. Let's get let's get above that. Let's get the cream of the crop and they can be in charge like like the EU. That's a second group. You know, that's that's these kind of elitists. And there's quite a bit of that. And the third one is that the people that are just um, rolled over, either uh, known or unknown by the Chinese money because the Chinese money are throwing the the Chinese money is influencing the behavior of the media influencing the the behavior of institutions universities uh, of uh, think tanks and so the Chinese influence which has gone on for 25 years 30 years maybe more it's not gone on for 10 it's gone on for 25 or 30 years and they bought a lot of influence if you listened yesterday to our old friend General Robert Spaulding, his book is Stealth War. I, I downloaded that on my phone as a um, uh, on Audible on my phone so that I could listen to it as a book on tape, a book on you know audio, so that I can listen driving because it's so important and it's so good. Uh, but as Spaulding said, General Spaulding said, the the, the 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 amount of influence that China has been able to obtain through spending money just through spending money on all their priorities is huge, huge amount of influence. So those are the three categories and watching those categories of people yell and scream that it's so wrong for the president to, to cut funding on uh, uh, the world health organization has been actually kind of amazing to watch because even though I know those groups are all there, it does. You shake your head. You're like, wow. I mean, there are moments where CNN is, is posting articles and, and they're being torn apart on Twitter and on social media in general because people say, are you publishing sort of Chinese talking points, communist Chinese regime talking points? Are you actually doing that? Is that what you're doing? Because that's what it seems like you're doing. 
And uh, it's been extraordinary to watch that. It's been in- interesting to see uh, 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 what um, what the response has been. But the president's not backing off. That's the great thing about it. He is not backing off. I mean, I hate to say it, but Rahm Emanuel's um, you know encouragement that never let a good crisis go to waste. President Trump is not in this crisis. He's still doing what he said he's going to do. He's not holding back. He's not pulling punches. He's still doing exactly what he said he would do. He's not saying, oh, well, I'll decide that later. Maybe we just wait till later. I I told you last week about his fight with the media is in part, I think, because he's trying to make clear to the public, you can't trust the media. A lot of normal politicians would have said, well, during this time, I'll just stand down in my battle with the media. Maybe they'll treat us better and be good for America. President Trump knows better and doesn't even uh, try. So doesn't even bother uh, pulling back. So it's good stuff. We'll get more on information on the World Health Organization. It's a great story and great reaction from many of you to my um, description of the fact that we're in the second Cold War. Second Cold War. I think that's apropos and I've gotten a lot of feedback on it. So uh, thank you for that. All right. We got to run. Thank you, as always, to Noah, our fearless technical director, and also Joanna for helping uh, organize and book the show from St. Louis. We will be back tomorrow night. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thanks for listening.